Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, uh, I'm sure that regular listeners of the podcast know that we end every episode talking about our email address, our Facebook page, our Twitter, Twitter. our blog. Yeah. We work for an internet site, HowStuffWorks.com. Yeah. We work for the interweb. We are we are wired, dare I say. Yes. We are on the information highway. Except when my old laptop won't connect to the internet. <laughs> That's true. You do have a lot of laptop problems. <laughs> I've been having some connectivity issues. But uh, I think that makes us pretty well suited to talk about differences between men and women in using the internet. Yeah. Is there is there a more no-brainer topic for us, <laughs> internet women, to to cover? And, and uh, the, the intersection of gender and the web? I think not. I'm, well, I'm sure actually there are topics yeah, for more equipped to cover. <laughs> but that's the one we're going to cover today. And uh, we've got to start with a pretty comprehensive look at men and women on the internet that came to us from Pew, the Pew Research Center, in 2005. Yes, this is coming from the Pew Internet and American Life survey that took place between March 2000 and September 2005. And while there has been a little bit of a change since then, it found overall that men and women were pretty much on par for their Internet use in terms of time that they spent online. But in terms of what they do once they get on the Web... It's a little bit different. And actually, that was sort of one of the newsworthy things is that prior to 2000, there was an Internet gender gap, so-called by some experts, that yes. men used it far more than women did. And so when they actually caught up and were spending equal amounts of time online, the Pew, Pew people wanted to find out what exactly are they doing? Because like Kristen said, they are doing different thing, different things. And one thing that women love, according to the survey results, is email. Yes. They use emails far more than men do to communicate with friends, strangers, 
uh, family members. We just love sending out emails according to the survey results. And this communication theme is going to come up, uh, come up a lot throughout this podcast, uh, because there is a divergence in terms of, you know, women are really using the internet largely, yeah, as a communication and connection and networking tool. Whereas men like to do things such as, Online transactions. Yes. Learning about the function of tools. Transaction is the key word. Transactional is how men are described by this survey because they want to do all their banking on the Internet. Mm -hmm. They want to use sites like LinkedIn and move up in their careers. They're very goal-oriented when it comes to the Internet, whereas women kind of fall back into this touchy-feely stereotype of wanting to post pictures of their babies Mm -hmm. and find out... The best way to make an apple pie. And, and well, then they might want to do networking with, with coworkers and other people in their fields as well, but it's more, it's more of an enhancement, overall enhancement of their life, whereas men are, seem to be more, more rigid and specific about what they want to get out of their time on the internet. And it makes sense, although when you do read just page after page of how women just want to build relationships on the internet, it can be a little, I don't know, it feels a little offensive to your gender to yeah. think that we're all just, you know, Touchy feely. Oh, having I, just a big, wanna, I just want to email you. A big internet hug. I just want to email you things I like about you. I just want to show you all these pictures I found that are so funny. Although I really do love funny pictures on the internet. It's really, I think why the internet was developed was for funny cat pictures. But while you like funny pictures, though, men are going to like probably funny videos even more, as we'll find out. True. They do like sites like YouTube. And what was interesting to me as someone who does a lot of research on the internet is that men use the Internet to find news and information from a really wide variety of sources, whereas women are more likely to feel the burden of an information glut and use only a selected number of sites to get their news and views, and they are more likely to seek out information on health and religion and these really uh, narrow topics that they feel have application to their life. Mm-hmm. And this next point that's brought up in the Pew survey brings to mind our podcasting buddies, uh, John and Chris over at Tech Stuff, because the survey also found that men are more interested in the more techie aspects of the online realm than women might be. Like they might have a smartphone that accesses the internet before a woman does. They're yeah. more interested in the, the bells and whistles. Like you talked about how you have connectivity issues. Man might have, according to these survey results, gotten that fixed by now. But Molly, a lot has changed since 2005. Remember, this study came out in 2005. True. We are now in 2011. Oh, well, that's crazy. I know. And and the the pace of women on the internet has certainly picked up. And I want to talk about one study that was by Brian Solis, and it's called "Influence is Bliss: The Gender Divide of Influence on Twitter." And what he does is he considers specifically social media on the Internet and finds that women rule the roost. He looks at every single social media, social networking site, including some I have not heard of. And uh, by and large, women are the majority of users on all of them. Sites like LinkedIn, YouTube, DeviantArt, they are equal between the genders. But your Facebooks, your Twitters, your classmates.com, your MySpace for anyone who still has one floating around out there. I wonder if um, stuff mom ever told you will ever have a MySpace. Um, probably not. Probably not. Anyway, all of those uh, have majority women users. The only site that men dominate is Dig. Dig.com. Go figure, folks. Dig is the, the one guy networking site out there that, that men uh, dominate. 
And so what Brian Solis makes the argument with is if we are the majority of users, do we then use this in, this uh, majority to create some sort of sphere of influence? Does what we post make anyone care any more or less about us? And he finds that, yeah, I mean, women rank among some of the most influential Twitter, Twitterers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, people do pay attention to our tweets, our Facebook posts, that we really do have a, a pretty good tool to bring about social change if we want to. Yeah, especially we have the, the power in numbers because on the other side of that coin, he also found that when it breaks down to the individuals who are tweeting, the most influential individuals on Twitter, it does skew a little bit more towards the men. Mm-hmm. But then once our collective power is taken into account, the women beat out the guys. But you know who's trying to harness that collective power? Who? Advertisers. Oh, yes. That's the reason that a lot of, of people want this information is because if you've ever noticed, uh, you know, a Facebook, for example, serving up a very gender specific ad, mm-hmm. you can thank, you know, this kind of research for that. And really, when it comes to social networking, those advertisers are really going to be seeking out women because we spend a lot more time on social networking sites in general than men do. Uh, this is from a 2010 Comscore survey that found that women spend an average of five and a half hours per month on social networks compared to men who spend 3.9 hours per month. And while we described uh, men as the more transactional gender on the web, uh, the one transaction, this is, again, a little stereotypical, that women do drive online shopping. Yes. So, you know, there's a reason why, you know, your Facebook might be open in one of your tabs and there's this ad for, you know, a CD or a band or something. And then you just go over to like an Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, it can be years and minutes. Now, Molly, you just said Facebook. True. Now, we've been talking a lot about Twitter, but if we go over to Facebook, it is it is Ladyland over there. It is Ladyland. There are, of the 400 million plus members, 57% are female. It's a solid majority. And we also have 8% more friends and participate in 62% of the sharing. Because to go back to that, we want to share our lives. Yes, that networking. We want to build a tribe. If we can't, for example, potty train a child, we can reach out to our other friends online who are mothers and say, does this work? Does that work? Or in my case, potty train a cat. I'm not really trying to potty train anything (laughs) in my life right now, but I know where I'd go if I did. Yes. To Facebook. (laughs) To Facebook. Although, you know, you have to wonder if women are spending so much time on Facebook, what are the, are the men getting more done than us? No, they're just busy trying to, to get their articles on page one dig. True. And writing really snarky comments. Yes. And speaking of snarky comments, there are some who would say that men are not subject to the same type of online abuse as women are. And that um, a female online is uh, perhaps more at risk of, of harassment. If they've done one study that if you have a female username... Was it you're 20% more likely to receive abuse? 25 times more likely to experience harassment. And this study is coming from the University of Maryland. And it also found that female usernames averaged 163 threatening and or sexually explicit 
messages a day. And that info comes thanks to Jessica Valenti, who runs feministing.com in an article that she wrote for The Guardian right after she had been the target of some extreme online harassment. And of course, since she runs feministing, she's uh, in, in sort of the face of young feminists today, one of the faces. She is very well versed in online harassment. And so I think we have to wonder if uh, social networking and using the Internet for information has become this really popular thing for women to do. If they've closed the Internet gender gap, what does this mean? Is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing because you're more likely to get harassment? And that's something we can't answer definitively. We'd love to hear your opinions on it. But one piece that really struck that really stood out to me when we were doing this research uh, was about young girls and Facebook. And yes. uh, it was work that was done in conjunction with the Girl Scout Research Institute. And, uh, you know, these girls in the survey were very much online. They had MySpace, they had Twitter, they had Facebook. And what they did was they asked uh, the girls how they viewed themselves offline, you know, how they would describe themselves to their friends, how they came off in person. And the girls describe 82% of the girls describe themselves as smart. 82% of the girls describe themselves as fun and funny. 76% describe themselves as kind. 59% said they were a good influence. 55% said they were outgoing. But then when they asked the girls how they came across to others online, all they said was fun, funny, and social. You know, none of that um, smartness came out. None of the kindness. None of the kindness or good influence. So I do think that it can be, you've got to worry a little bit about if girls are using uh, Facebook to build this persona of themselves that isn't who they really are, if they're downplaying things like their intelligence or their kindness to their neighbors. Well, and I would say that probably everyone with a Facebook account might be a little bit guilty of that because you sure. can craft your own profile. But I thought that this was a little more telling in the Girl Scouts research. And this is also um, based on responses from girls who are 14 to 17 years old. And the Girl Scout study found that girls who measured low in self-esteem were more likely to describe themselves online as crazy and sexy and put forth more uh, provocative profile images and things like that. So, you know, it's it, I think you can look at it from both sides because the same research did say that these girls were making really strong connections online, keeping in touch with friends and family, and that tons of them were using the Internet for good, finding opportunities for leadership, participating in their communities by starting things online, you know, using the Internet to perhaps promote a social service project they were doing to raise money for, you know, a run walk they're participating in. So, you know, it's it can still be a tool for social awareness and civic participation. You just got to balance the good and evil that the Internet can do. Well, and speaking of uh, social awareness, there have also been some more controversial um, social networking campaigns that women have started, such as the um, Twitter hashtag, I had an abortion. That's right. Uh, a few months ago, there was this campaign to bring reproductive health out of out of the closet, mm -hmm. especially a controversial issue like abortion. And they equated it a little bit to the gay rights movement and said that, you know, there were people who believed that gay rights really caught hold when more people came out and when more people realized how many gay people they actually knew. Mm -hmm. And they were saying we need to come out of the come out of the abortion closet, I suppose, for for uh, lack of a better words, to to let people realize just how many people had relied on the ability to make a choice about their own reproductive health. So they urged Twitter users to use that hashtag if they had, had an abortion and to explain why. And they're saying that this really, you know, 
did a lot of women good to know that they were not alone, to be able to talk about things like abortion, miscarriage in a very public forum and to find support for that. But if you look at the media surrounding this hashtag, it was very negative that this is not something that should be tweeted about. This is still something we should be quiet about. And it was very mixed response that this hashtag received. Well, and I think that's the the word of caution that should go with any kind of social networking activity or any kind of awareness campaign that you want to start through social networking. A successful social networking campaign is going to go viral. And when that happens, you're going to get the attention of everybody who's out there, both positive and negative. So, of course, something like hashtag I had an abortion, I had an abortion is going to certainly attract the criticism of anti-abortion groups, just Mm -hmm. like when you, you know, put uh, put yourself out there on Facebook, you know, maybe put out pictures that you think are pretty. Some might find provocative. You know what I mean? That's also just kind of the the very nature of the Internet. So I think that that there is there should always be a little bit of a of a word of caution with all of it. Right. And I think even moms who have been, you know, trying to to back to the potty training thing. I know that uh, on in my own Facebook friends, there was a little bit of a debate about a friend who might have been sharing a little too much potty training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like we can find these communities, but there's there's oversharing and it can affect your friendships when, you know, your friends know way too much about what's coming out of your child. Right. So, and yeah. that might be something that's especially important for women to keep on mind, keep in mind, simply because based on all these surveys that are coming out, especially now, especially now that women are actually using the Internet more, particularly using social networking more, we're the ones who are putting the most information out there. Mm-hmm. 62% of the sharing done by the ladies. Right. So, you know, like Kristen said, you got to be cautious. And it's just sort of an overview of, of what's going on with women online. We'd love to know our listeners' thoughts about how you use the Internet, how you decide what's off limits, what's on limits. Um, and, you know, join our Facebook and Twitter revolution. Yeah. Follow us. Hashtag but- Molly and Kristen. <laughs> I don't know. Make us trend. And, um, yeah, so we want to know your thoughts, mom. Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Email. You know, you know we love emails because yeah. we're ladies. Email is fading out a little bit, but we'll still accept it. <laughs> I've got a quick one here from Peyton. And Peyton was writing in response to our podcast on eyebrows. And it reminded Peyton of... Is Peyton a girl or a boy? It reminded yeah. Peyton of Peyton's sister. All right. And it brought to mind Peyton's sister... A few years ago, she was trying to make them thinner, so she took out one of those electric trimmers and shaved one off. After it grew back, she thought she would try it again, and it's bound to work this time, she thought. Then she shaved off the other one. She now wears her eyebrows thick. How many times has that happened? I know. Eyebrow mishaps. They're the worst. So that's what we've got for this episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You. And as always, we're going to end with some social media plugs. Yeah. So many ways to reach us. Now you know all about the internet from us. So what do we got, Molly? We got some email. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. We got Facebook. All you ladies out there, we know you're on Facebook, so follow us on Facebook. And then for you Twitterers, at MomStuffPodcast. Hop on it. And we have a blog. It's called Stuff Mom Never Told You, and it's at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. 
brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.